Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. You're talking about taking your art skills to the next level. A coach can definitely help you with that. I've been teaching archery for over 25 years. I'm offering a free 50-minute consultation call. Everybody that would like one, please fill out the form. I'll leave a link in the description so we can get to know you a little better and see if I can help you in your archery skills. Uh, today we're going to talk with an archer that likes to hunt the coos deer. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about what's going on with that. Hi, my name is Rory Canterbury. I'm going to be your host today on Arch Talk 101. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, JJ, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your, your archery journey. Okay. My name's uh, JJ Salinas. Um, just turned 33 a couple of days ago. Um, I'm from originally from New Mexico a uh, small town of about 3,500 people. So I grew up uh, what we call the boonies out in the, out in the desert. Uh, and uh, currently I'm uh, living in Tucson and it's been about five years uh, this month. And uh, the way I got into archery, uh, when I turned 18, they actually bought me a used Hoyt Havoc Tech uh, for my birthday. And I really, I bought, they bought it for me in January and I actually didn't shoot it till, uh, I think it was the summer, uh, of that same year. Cause I didn't know how to adjust the poundage on it. I didn't know really anything about it. I couldn't pull the bow back. So it just kind of sat there collecting dust. And I had one of my friends, uh, come and adjust it for me. And, and after that, I fell in love with it and, uh, been doing it ever since. So. Uh, it's been a it's been a fun journey. I've had a lot of opportunities to hunt in different places, hunt with different people, uh, hunt different animals. So it's been it's been fun. It's opened up a lot of doors for me, and uh, it's probably the best birthday present I've ever received was was a used bow off of eBay for for my 18th birthday. So yeah, that's that's a good present. And unfortunately, you couldn't use it for a little while, but. Uh... Hey, right. you, you finally started and, and just kind of taken off with it. Um, I know you just got back from a hunt hunting coos deer and um, you you posted a picture in Messenger on on your deer that you got. Uh, tell us about the difference between hunting a coos deer and like your whitetail or um, muleys. So a coos deer, it's, I mean, I take the approach of hunting, like you'd hunt an eastern whitetail. Um, in the area that I hunt, mainly for archery, uh, it's in southeastern Arizona. There's a lot of pines, a lot of juniper trees. Um, so you basically take the approach like you would in the Midwest, uh, back east, um, hunt a lot of trails, set up blinds. You can hunt out of a tree stand in certain spots of the mountain range that I hunt. Um, but we mainly focus on, on trails and uh, during the rut, you can grunt them in, you can rattle them in, you can use a bleak can. Uh, so I basically take the approach uh, like I would if I'm hunting Illinois, which I've hunted quite a bit. Uh, any of those Midwestern states, because, you know, it's a coos deer is the cousin to a whitetail. So you just kind of take the same approach. And the only difference, uh, one of the biggest differences is 
they're they're super hard to 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 find through your glass i mean that's that's kind of our best friend out here out west is is if you're rifle hunting them or you're trying to do a spot and stock which we've done uh glassing them up is is one of the most difficult things that you have to try to learn because they blend in so well with the landscape um but once you train your eye to to find them i mean it's it's fun to sit on a mountain mountain range and in glass for five six hours like we have on rifle hunts and uh, but as far as hunting them with archery equipment, I take, take the approach, uh, like I do in the Midwest. I, I have several blind blinds set up. I have uh, man-made blinds that I've built over the years and, uh, yeah, just, you know, find a good spot during the rut and hit your grunt call, cold call a little bit. And, and you'd be surprised how many times they come in, uh, to check things out. So I've, I've been hunting them with archery equipment for, uh, since I was 18, this was my 15th year hunting that same area that I've always hunted and I've killed, uh, 13. That was my 13th one, uh, with a bow. So it's, it's been fun to learn over the years. I mean, you, that's, that's your best teacher is getting out in the field and, and learning from your mistakes and, and just kind of putting it all together year after year. And, and you kind of learn the landscape, learn their behaviors and, uh, makes for you to become pretty successful and, uh, luck plays a lot with it too. So, um, <laughs> I've been, I've been blessed in that aspect. Yeah. It, it always, when you get the hunted area over and over and over, it, it really makes it nice. Now, is that right. private property or public property? It's all public. It's all, uh, one thing about Arizona. So I I've hunted, uh, most of the, the time that I've hunted Arizona has been as a non-resident when I was living in New Mexico. Um, which the cool thing about Arizona is they have archery over the counter for deer. Um, so it gives you the opportunity to uh, really put in the time in one certain area and and really get to know it. Uh, this year, they implemented a, a harvest quota. Um, so the season opens up in in August and September for a few weeks. Uh, and then there's another season in December and then January. So what they did was they implemented the harvest quota. So for that certain unit, there was like 75 coos deer you could kill. And once that quota was met, then this, the unit was closed. So it was kind of uh, iffy watching it as, you know, the deer were getting killed. So I was glued to my phone almost every <laughs> every day during the season to make sure it was still open. But luckily, it survived to the end of the month. So uh, it was fun to be able to get get to hunt for, you know, seven, eight days in, in January, which is my favorite time of year to hunt them. Especially down south. You know, it's, it's a little bit cooler and, right. you know up here in January and December, it can get really, really cold. Yeah. <laughs> now, how's that when you're, you're hunting in, you know, like the October, September down there in, in Arizona, isn't it still pretty hot? How does that affect your hunting? Um, so August, September, when you're hunting them, it, it's a little warm. You'll get days, you know, down there where I hunt at high eighties, sometimes low nineties. Um, but for the most part, you're looking at an average of 75 to 80 degrees. Uh, and, and I have one of my friends who's a taxidermist and he's hunted that, that area for years. And, uh, I seen him in January and his all time favorite time to hunt them is August and September. Cause they're still bachelored up together. They're still on their summer feeding patterns. Um, so they're a lot easy to, to set up and ambush them. Um, but as uh, even October, it's still a little warm. 
Um, but once that cool air starts coming, you know, it, it's, it's getting close to the rut and they use the rut uh, mid January, a little bit of pre rut or uh, late December, early January. Uh, but this year, I think the peak of the rut hit like the 16th through uh, the 22nd. Um, so it just it, it just depends on 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 basically season to season on when the rut's going to hit. But as long as I've been hunting in there, it's always hit kind of peak in the middle of, of the month of January. Um, but August, September, it's a good time to hunt them. But like you said, it, it's still a little warm. Uh, so it, it makes for for long sits in a blind, you know, when it's 85, 90 degrees outside. Yeah. Huh. You're in there in your t-shirts and underpants right. because it's so darn right. hot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I know up here in, in Nebraska, I'm in the Eastern part of Nebraska and our ruts in the, like the second week in November. So okay. it's fairly early and up here, the rifle season is during the rut. And okay. They've, they've changed our archer season a little bit different. It used to be um, 15th of September till, you know, that when rifle starts and then pick up after that, go to the end of the year. And they've changed that a few years back to where it starts September 1st and goes to December 31st. It doesn't shut down during rifle. You just have to put orange on. Right. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to be out there when they got rifles out there and you're oh, on no. camel because they're not going to see you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Then we have a you know nice long muzzleloader season. It's the whole month of December. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and you got to wear your orange for that. But it's weird because archers don't have to wear orange during December. Right. But you still got muzzleloaders out there. Right. One of those those weird things. Yeah, for sure. So how uh, what's the difference in taste between like the coos and the whitetail? Um, I, I've never really seen too big of a difference i mean coos deer is amazing i mean it, they're they're so they're such small animals uh that usually the meat's really tender um you know you get a mature buck that weighs 110 115 pounds uh maybe 120 at times um but i killed a mule deer uh last year uh during the rut and it was probably the worst tasting meat that i've ever had <laughs> But so, I mean, as far as white Midwest, Eastern whitetails to coos deer, you can't really tell the difference. Um, but when you start eating mule deer meat and coos deer meat, you can definitely tell, tell a big difference in that. Yeah, I know that a lot of the whitetails around here, um, you know, corn, soybeans, alfalfa, right. that's, that's their, right. their diet because oh, yeah. you know, pretty much all the farm crops are, are the, one of those three. And right. they, they eat a lot of that. And then you know, some nuts when they have, you know, your different kind of nut trees around, like some right. of those. Um, and then the mule deer here is out more further west. And they, you know, they're more Roman eating sagebrush and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, yeah. They, they aren't quite as good at tasting, but right. Hey, it, it's all good. We have, we have some pretty big sized deer up here. Our, um, our fawns are, are you know, and the, the 75 dead. 80 pound ones, which your fawn's going to be, and adults run, you know, 150, 125, right. 150, 180. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some get them, you know, 200 pound deer. Wow. And that's, that's a big deer. Oh, that's a big deer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know down in Texas, they have, you know, big racks on them, but they're small bodies. Right. Yeah. 
know, that's why it looked like they're so big because a little bitty yeah. body and the same size rack on on a white tail up here it's gonna look as big oh yeah for sure yeah yeah so do you do any 3d shooting or any target shooting or just hunt um yeah i've always just stuck to hunting um i've always wanted to do uh, there's a big 3d shoot that they do up in northern arizona it's called the sunrise shoot uh, you take a ski lift up to the top of the mountain and and just kind of work your way down shooting all these different targets and they got vendors and different things like that set up. Um, so as far as 3D shooting, that's kind of the only thing that I've been interested in doing was maybe attending that shoot at one time. Um, but for the most part, it's just all my archery experience has been just hunting. Um, it's just something that I've fallen in love with and, you know, kind of never looked back or looked at at you know, any 3D shoots or tournament shoots, or I've always kind of had a desire to do at least one or two, um, but just never have gone around to doing it. Yeah, I've done, I've done a little, I, I do target shooting to develop my skills to uh, hit the spot I'm aiming at, you know, so I, right. I know, you know, if I aim it at that X, I'm going to hit that X. And then I, right. I like doing the 3D shoots because now that that's helped me judge yardage. You know, I'm not real yeah. fond of going marked yardage shoots because you know what's the skill in that i want uh, yeah i'm bow hunting you know and right. i want to be able to learn you know learn how to judge yardage and those really help on that and you know so i do the target to get my skill down and the 3d to get my yardage down and, and right. shot yeah. placement and get used to shooting at different animals that the only thing you learn at is is the, you know realizes that where you aim at for a 3d target may not be where you're going to aim at when you shoot at the animal because right you're not on a flat ground, you know, and if you shoot, you know, on a hill uh, at that, that 10 ring, well, you're going to have a bottom exit. So, oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of things going a lot different when you're, when you're out there, uh, right. You know, hunting and so where, where's your favorite place to go hunt? Um, it has to be here in Southeastern Arizona. It's called the Chiricahua mountains. Um, you're talking thousands and thousands of acres of national forest, uh, the Coronado National Forest. Um, and I've hunted Illinois. I have a friend out there that that runs an outfit. Um, I've hunted Maryland, uh, Florida. I've hunted Nebraska for turkey um, a couple times. Um, I've hunted Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas. And still my favorite, even above, and people call me crazy, but even above chasing elk during the rut, um, I just love hunting coos deer in southeastern Arizona during the rut. I mean, it's just a, it's just a fun time, and and I mean, I just I've I've grown to love it. You know, I love hunting elk, calling them in, uh, you know, shooting a big bull. But to me, still, there's nothing like chasing what we call the gray ghost. Um, yeah. Being being able to put one down with a bow is pretty pretty awesome and 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 an accomplishment. So to be able to do it every year is is or get the opportunity to try to do it every year uh right. I, I just i just love doing it i mean it's a hunt that i've always you know loved and and always wanted somebody else to experience it because it's just a fun time watching uh those little bucks chase chase does and and hear them grunting and i mean i just love it so i would say that would probably be my favorite place to hunt would would be southeastern arizona the chiricahua mountains and just the history alone you know as far as you know, it's not far from where Geronimo surrendered. 
uh, where he lived and the, the Apaches lived. So it just has a real, real cool history to it. I have a friend that's a, a Native American historian there. And it's just a, it's just a majestic mountain range. And I just, I just love doing it. And, and I'd say that hands down, that would probably be my favorite place to hunt. Yeah, and it's kind of fitting, you know, doing archery in, in that area. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You get the you get the the thoughts cross your mind that hey, at one time there was Indians in here with handmade bows chasing chasing animals and, and living off the land and and doing everything they could to survive. And and I just think it's cool that, you know, you're hunting in a spot where Native Americans inhabited at one time and and uh, that was their land and and they were probably doing the same thing you were uh not all camoed out like we do these days but right <laughs> but but still killing animals and and putting meat on on so to speak their table so it was you know it's cool it's cool when you're around that that environment as far as the history of it and it just makes it that much more special so what what bow you're shooting now so i shoot a uh it's the quest uh, thrive um, I shot PSC for a while. I was on their uh, field staff for quite a uh, number of years. Um, so I this this hunt I've used uh, it's a Quest Thrive, um, but I'm probably going to go next year to Bowtech um, and and probably stick with them. Um, but I've I've shot mainly PSC most of my hunting career, um, and I love their bows. They're they're based out of Tucson, so it makes it it makes it cool. Um, to I visited their their uh, their factory time or two. Uh, I had a friend that was the marketing manager for them for twenty some years. Um, so it was it was nice that you were hunting with a bow that was made right right here where you live. Um, but this year I used Quest and and I liked it and shot good. Yeah, I spent a week down in uh, uh, at the PSC factory going through okay. their training. Yeah, uh, I was a PSC dealer for several years. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So yeah. I know I know their bows back you know twenty some years ago their bows right. yeah. um and that's still my hunt and bow is a two thousand one PSE Carrera and okay my other bow is a like a two thousand three um what a Scorpion okay yeah that's one of those that come out with one year mine's a single cam then they come out with a two cam then they dropped it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so if you, you look on it is you look on this back sheet they say it's 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 uh instead of being a single cam it's it's got you know your your two cables and and your string well mine has one string and one cable so wow. there's only two on mine and it's like okay i want to know what the, the length is because it wasn't on my bow so i said okay here's my serial number it's like okay this is the length because <laughs> the spec sheet i had didn't have that on it and what was online right. So the, yeah. the one they had for the next year, not this one, because one year this one was was out and um, that was it. Yeah, that's the one I use when I'm not hunting. You know, okay. I have it set up because I, I shoot muzzy broadheads. Okay. That's I've been shooting muzzy broadheads since my first broadhead. Wow. And I just haven't switched. And one of the things with the muzzies is they don't exactly fly like a field tip. Yeah. So my hunting bow, I haven't sat to shoot the broadheads. And okay. when I shoot a field tip out of or just kind of warm up practicing, uh, they don't hit where I'm aiming, but I don't care because I know the broadheads do. Right. 
Yep. And then the other one is set up just for shooting, you know, field tips, whether I'm shooting 3Ds or or target or whatever. And I shoot target at my 70 pounds and I shoot my hunting weight. That's what I shoot. Right. For me, I found I've locked into my form better with the 70 pounds. I go down to 60. It's harder for me to lock into my form because I just it's it's like almost like not enough force on it and it's just right. too much flat off for me and and for me i just shoot better that way and yeah absolutely so i see you got grim reaper on is that the broadheads you use yeah yeah i've been on their their pro staff for about six years uh the first broadhead i ever shot uh on my first hunt was a rage and after that, I, I ended up going to, uh, got introduced to Grim Reapers and I started shooting those and I've shot those for 14 years. Um, and I got on their staff and, and to this day, I still shoot, shoot the Grim Reapers and, and, uh, I really like them. I've killed, killed mule deer, elk, coos deer, antelope, uh, all with, uh, Grim Reaper. What, what is the weight that you're shooting? So I shoot, no. uh, 65 pounds 65 right yeah yeah i used to shoot 70 and uh like three years ago i had a i don't know if it was a tear in my rotator cuff but it would hurt after i'd shoot you know 10 15 arrows um and then actually last year or excuse me the year before i bumped it up to 70 pounds and i was able to shoot bat like i like i usually would when i would shoot 70 pounds um and then i ended up just dropping it to 65 kind of in the middle of 60 and 70 right. and 70s and and just kind of kept it there because i could shoot you know all day long if i wanted to and not not start hurting or anything like that so i found 65 pounds for me is is a good weight yeah and each, each person is a little bit different you know what they're going to shoot you know if you're having problems and i know a lot of people will start having problems with their shoulders uh, I actually did one of the podcasts on it, you know, shoulder injuries and how to recover from them. Because right. as you as you're up there, and then you're a lot of people st straighten that arm a lot, and the shoulder raises up, and yeah. then you have shoulder problems. So you got to remember to drop that shoulder down, and, and that's that's the thing. As I'm as I'm teaching, you know, I started teaching archery in '95, and, and oh, wow. you know, I've I've helped a lot of people, and it's one thing I'm looking. At, it's like, okay, drop that shoulder down. You know, yeah, you, you want to keep shooting. <laughs> keep that shoulder down and and you know that's that's one of those things that you look for and um you know i i teach you know back tension release you know once i learned that the first time i heard about it i like how how you know what you're going to hit if you're not pulling the trigger and then once i learned it's like oh i'm hitting it because i'm not pulling the trigger right yeah you know and, and it's it's amazing how 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 much different it is and you know, being in martial arts for over, you know, 20 years, um, be, you know, while I was doing that and learning that, I was doing martial arts. So I kind of have a little bit different because, you know, in martial arts, when you're going to break a board, we need to make sure it goes straight to the target. And I kind of do that a little bit different in the way I do mine, my technique, what works for me. Um, right. But may not work for everybody, but that's, I start off teaching like I do it. If it don't work, we change it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and one of the things that I do offer in the um, um, Arch Talk 101 Facebook group, um, for those that get to watch, listen to the podcast or see it on um, uh, YouTube, um, and for those of you in the 
in the group as well. You know, if you want to upload a video of your shooting and say, you know, give me pointers, right? Or, or how's my form, or or what's going on, and somebody give you some opinions. And we've got people in a group that have been shooting for, uh, well, seventy years. Wow. Um, I've been shooting for, well, probably sixty years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I started. I got my first bow in in the mid sixties. Uh, when I was oh, probably about seven or eight, ten, something like that. I forget now. It's been so long ago. But back then, they, there was no compounds. They didn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was either a longbow recurve or, or crossbow. <laughs> you know, and they were all, you know, there was no no wheels, no cams, no let off. Uh, yeah, you, further you pulled it back, the more weight it was. And yeah. <laughs> and and it wasn't until the seventies when I started shooting compound bows and okay. So I I've been shooting compounds for quite a while. Yeah, I think you're you're giving up your age there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, most I think most people in the group know know how old I am. Uh, yeah, here right now the month I'll be sixty eight. So you don't look a day over twenty five, man. Oh yeah, well that's that's the beauty of cameras, you know. They yeah. I can kind of hide back and not not look. On the fact that I have a good high resolution camera, so it's probably yeah. pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I go to the laptop one, it's a blurry camera. That you know they don't have the best cameras, but yeah. you know I have a, a separate camera up on top of my monitor, so that's what okay. it looks like. If I'm looking down, it's like you see top of my head because look yeah. at the camera. I got to look up like this. <laughs> yeah, the camera's up above. Because I have a good size monitor here. There you go. So what is your most memorable hunt? Man, um, it'd probably be the bull that I shot in New Mexico. Um, 2015, I got drawn uh, in the Gila National Forest uh, of New Mexico, which is kind of the big buck or big buck, uh, big bull unit uh and it's it's kind of a real sought out uh place to hunt in new mexico for elk um and it was me and my dad we were um we had my mom had packed my dad and in our travel trailer for almost almost two weeks worth of food and you know we were planning to be there for a while i think it was like a nine-day hunt or something like that um so we, my brother had a football game on a Friday night. Opening day was Saturday morning. We stayed for the football game, drove four hours, five hours up to where we were camped at, got in like at four in the morning. Uh, I remember setting my alarm. It didn't go off. I woke up, the sun was out. And, uh, you know, me and my dad jumped in our, our Polaris uh, Ranger and, and we went and, and hiked up to the top of this mountain and, as soon as we got up there, he was shedding off some of his uh, layers that he had on because it was a pretty pretty rough hike. And I remember just letting off a cow call. Bull responded, and we started going towards him. I'd cow call every 50, 60 yards as we were walking towards him because my dad at the time didn't know how to cow call. Um, so we just kept cow – I kept cow calling, moving forward, cow calling, and then finally I seen him and uh, shot him at 65 yards. And – I mean, it was just, it was just pretty cool watching him come in and, 
and sharing that moment with my dad. So it was probably, probably the most memorable for me. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of a hard question because I've, I've had a lot of awesome moments out in the woods. So um, I would say that. And, and as far as, as being part of a hunt, my all-time favorite is my daughter shooting her first buck uh, a couple years ago. Um, after she shot him, she was crying and she was excited. And it was just, it was just a cool moment to see, see my daughter take, a take her first deer. So that that's, that's at the very top. But for me personally, it, as far as me hunting, it'd be, be when I killed my bull, uh, in New Mexico with my dad. That's your daughter. Did she use a bow or did she use a gun? Uh, used a rifle. Yeah. Rifle. Yeah, it was it's a kind of nice starting out that way with when you have uh, you know small kids. How old was she? Uh, she was at that time she was twelve. Yep, twelve years old. Yeah, so it was it was it was cool. It was it was an awesome moment for sure. Yeah, that's what's nice about the crossbows is you can get them in archery, and it, it's a lot easier. You, they don't have to worry about drawing the weight because it's a whole lot easier. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember one time when my uh, my oldest son, we was out and these deer were coming by and and he wanted to stock up to them. So I'm sitting back here, you know, I can't really guide him because he's just new at this. Right. And he got up there and he's sitting there and he did they come around a tree, an evergreen tree is hidden. He didn't realize he needed to draw. So he stepped out and he couldn't draw because... <laughs> They, they were out there looking at him and yeah you know that was that was cool to be be there when he did that i i couldn't right. see him because i had to stay back because i didn't want two of us walking in there right. you know because two people twice the noise right yeah you always have some memorable hunts i know the one that i remember is is uh, it was winter time and up here when the sun starts coming up, you're going to start getting frost forming. It was one of those days when the frost was forming on everything. And I'm watching the frost as my bow's hanging up. I'm watching the frost form on my bow and all the tree branches. And then the sun starts shining through there and, and reflecting off all the branches. And yeah, that was cool. I took a picture of whatever camera I had at the time. But of course, those pictures are long gone. That's been years. <laughs> but I still I have the picture up here in my mind. Hey, that's all that matters, man. That's yeah. what that's are for you keep them in your own personal album in your mind right and then to drive home there was a bunch of evergreen trees alongside the road and they were all frosted you know like wow. you see trees for christmas time always frost them and right. yeah now those trees aren't even there there are houses there instead now but wow yeah that's awesome so what was your most challenging hunt um, for sure, hands down would be antelope with the bow. Um, I've been fortunate enough to kill two. Um, but I mean, you're, you're hunting in flat country, hardly any cover. Um, the first antelope I shot, I shot him the, I think it was the last day or second to last day. I shot him at a hundred yards and I mean, they're just so difficult to get close to and it's hot. There's rattlesnakes. It's, I mean, a lot of stocks. I mean, you're going to see plenty of, of antelope, plenty of bucks, but I mean, it's not, it's not very, it's not guaranteed that you're going to get a shot at one. Um, so when you're, when you're about to take a shot, you want to make sure you're going to, it's going to count. And, uh, 
there on, on the first uh, archery hunt that I did hunting antelope um, I missed uh, twice I think um, and it's just it's just a roller coaster you're up you're down you're up you're down and then the heat's getting to you so you're getting you're getting uh, frustrated and uh, you're you're crawling on hot desert sand and your knees are all blistered up and <laughs> So it was just, I mean, it was, it was just a very difficult, I mean, not only physically exhausting, but just mentally exhausting. Um, and, and they're pretty long hunts too. I think they're like 14 days or 11 days or, um, something like that, but it was, it was for sure, uh, pretty difficult. Um, they're, they're difficult. Their eyesight's so amazing. And, um, like I said, you're, you're in the flatlands in the desert. So it's not like you got all these trees you can hide behind and you're using the smallest yucca to hide behind. And, um, it's super difficult, but it, it's a blast. Don't get me wrong. It's a blast, but you're definitely going to put in the time and the effort and the work to, to be able to wrap your tag around one of those. Yeah. And where was that at? That was Southern New Mexico. Southern New Mexico. Yeah, that's where I was born and raised, and and it was probably uh, the first antelope I shot was about 15 minutes from my house, and then the second one was probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes. So, so we're we're kind of in what they call the Boot Hill area. Uh, it's the southwestern part of New Mexico, and and there's a lot of antelope, a lot of big goats in there. Um, but yeah, hard to get a tag, and uh, even harder to hunt. So, that's uh, for sure probably my most difficult animal to chase and and most difficult hunt yeah i know that the antelope we have here are pronghorns depending on how you want to call them but uh, right you know they're out and they're out in the plains and you know like there's not a lot of cover out there for them yeah you know sometimes just set up on a watering hole and right and wait a minute for them to come to you yeah yeah <laughs> just chasing them down can be can be challenging because like you oh. said their eyesight is so good that you know if you see them they've already seen you oh yeah for sure yeah it's it's amazing you'll be they'll be six seven hundred yards away and they're already running and you're like there's no way that they can see me but yeah they can see you just you know nice and clear so it makes it challenging but but it makes it fun yeah it's it's amazing that they have such good eyesight like that yeah yeah incredible Definitely would be a challenging hunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So what what have you not hunted that you want to go hunt? Um I'd like to kill a mountain lion. Um we're we're we got tons of them here. And once a, a snow hits, you got you know all the lion hunters out there with their dogs and stuff like that. And I've been invited to go, but I just never have gone to around to doing it but i would love to go on a mountain lion hunt in the snow and and shoot one out of a tree or um probably another another bucket list hunt would be to uh hunt sitka deer in alaska uh get dropped down in there and, and hunt for five six days and then try try your best not to get eaten by a grizzly and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and just yeah, just have a good time. So that's that's my bucket list for sure. Is probably sit good in the Kodiak. Yeah, yeah. Make sure somebody has a big gun with them when you're bear oh, country. For sure. 
it, it, for a handgun, at least a 44 mag <laughs> or bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah. else, probably just make them mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. So you, you'd do mountain line with archery then, wouldn't you? I would, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I have a couple of friends that guide doing it. And uh, like I said, I've had invitations to go, especially when a first snow falls and they, they cut a track. Um, they're usually looking for people to to go hunt and and run their dogs. So um, one of these days, it'd be nice to to be able to accomplish that goal. But for now, I just have to to set it as a goal and and wait for it to 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 be met. Yeah, it's it probably what is there a season on them? When does that start? The mountain lions? Um, I think it's year round here in Arizona. Oh, yep but much better once you get snow so you can see tracks yeah, once, once you get snow that's when that's when a lot of guys will go cruise a lot of the back roads and, and look for track and once they cut it they'll let their hounds loose if they have a hunter and and try to tree the try to tree that tom or whatever it is and then what, what do they they eat them then or or what do they do they just take the pelt or I, I think a lot of guys do eat them and a lot of guys mainly do it, you know, to get a nice full body mount. Um, and, uh, but yeah, they do eat them. I've I had one guy actually tell me uh, on the coos deer hunt that he had mountain lion and it was probably some of the best meat he's had. So I'm like, yeah, I've never had it. So I'll just take your word for it. But <laughs> yeah, it all, it all depends on how it's fixed. I know I've, I've had people say, you know, they don't like venison. And then here, try this. Like, oh, that's good. Well, right. what's the difference? Well, yes. one, it's how it's prepared once once you kill it. It has been sitting around for, you know, all day long before you've cleaned it and how it's cleaned and it, right. part of what its diet is, and then how well you clean the meat. Did you get all the fat off? And right. Because yep. the, the fat on deer, you don't want to eat any of it. You don't want nothing on it. No. Get it all yep. off of there. And, yep. you know, I always process my own so I can make sure I don't have any of that fat in there. And right. you know, even, even if you start with it on it, freeze it and then pull it out, it's still going to taint the meat that's next to it. Yeah. So. Yep. That our first few deers we got, we wasn't sure how to, you know, how to really cook them because we hadn't really done much. And, you know, the first year we had lasted us a whole year and then it got down to where, yeah, we're, we're going through them. I went till I had my freezer full. And so I said, okay, this deer is going to have to be jerky because I ain't got freezer space. And I think that whole deer was gone in about two weeks. Wow. <laughs> my kids are saying, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Can, so, get in pretty so, quick whenever turkey. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the, the best cuts of meat I had uh, off the, the whitetail was you know, I, I threw it on the grill, the, the tenders and yeah. put them on the grill. And, you know, those get thicker and they get thin, taper down. And so I'm, I'm waiting, I'm watching the tips or can it cut it off, eat it, or can it cut them off and eat it as it's cooking more in the center. I'm, I'm eating it as, as we're, as we're going right off the grill. <laughs> so good that way. Oh yeah. So have, how much turkey hunting do you do? Do you, have you done 
try to do the grand slam or anything or uh, i never have no i actually i never had an interest not an in, i wouldn't say i didn't have an interest but i never really took turkey hunting too serious i never really got into it like i did deer and other animals like that um but i i started turkey hunting uh been 2014 15 and and to me it was just going out and basically just taking a few days off and, and just enjoying the nature uh, and then one of my friends took me to nebraska uh back in 2018 and we went up there and and i fell in love with it and i went a, the year after that i went back to nebraska and uh this year i drew a, a tag for arizona for this spring so um we'll see what happens with that so that's that's kind of the extent of my turkey hunting uh but nebraska was awesome man there was a lot of birds there whereabouts in nebraska did you go um i want to say it was there was it was, i remember the town i don't know if it was broken bow or right yeah yeah right in that area yeah yeah i gotta i gotta start tracking down where the turkeys go that I'm a mile from the highway, and just where you get to the highway, there's a group of probably three dozen turkeys that roost there some nights and walk around. There's enough for us to see, you know, two, three dozen turkeys in that field. But oh, yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't hunt that field, but I can hunt across the street. So I got to figure out where they're going, you know, try and figure out what, what's going on when it starts getting a little closer, a little, a little more time when I can get out there right now. It's, well, today has warmed up, but it's been pretty cold there recently. Yeah. And figure out, you know, try if I can see if I can track them down where they're going, you know, so I know, you know, what time of day are they they heading south where I can hunt? Are they going east, northwest, whichever direction? And then, because I can set up right across the street from them and, you know, maybe call them over. Right. And, yeah. You know, I have to do that. I, I don't do a lot of turkey hunting, uh, mostly, mostly deer. Right. Yeah. Same. I got such a big flock. I, I got to try and hunt them this next year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, get out there and do some. Yep. No, I just look and see if there is any any comments, but nobody had any comments yet. Okay. So yeah, it's it it's been. You know, a lot of fun talking to you. We, it's it's always interesting talking to different archers from around around the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate appreciate the invitation and and uh, being able to talk to you has been a it's been a fun time for sure. Yeah, and and it, we always learn something from from every, everybody. You know, no matter yeah. what you're doing, and you go to an archery event and and hey, you know, talk to them. You know, a lot of a lot of the older guys like me. It's like, hey, you got a question? Yeah, ask me. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. if I can help, I can help. You know. Oh, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. I always, I always tell. I I brought a couple of friends, younger guys that go to our church and introduce them to archery, and and that's what I tell them. I said, you can't, you can't be afraid to ask a question. I ask questions all the time uh, to some of my friends that I know have been hunting longer than I have, because you know you can't let your ego get in the way and think you know everything. Right. I learn I learn something new every time I go out. So that makes uh, that's what I told him. Always, always have an open mind and and never think you know everything because you don't. And no. <laughs> you're constantly keep learning. And I said the biggest teacher is all the mistakes you make out in the field. 
And for me, that was my number one teacher was all the mistakes I made. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I can't believe I did that. But, you know, as you grow as an archer, as a hunter, you, you, you learn things throughout the, throughout the years that you do it. So, you know, that's the, that's the fun thing that I like about it is you're constantly learning and, and, uh, constantly, if you're willing to learn, you're going to, you're going to learn nonstop, you know, and especially from older archers and guys that have hunted for a long time. Um, you know, it's just cool to, to get all the, all those gems and put them in a basket and, and take them on your next hunt. So it's, it's, it's a good community for sure. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. It's, it's a sport that has been around for 64,000 years and I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, yeah it's changed a little bit you know can you imagine you know the compounds if they would have those back you know when when the indians are running around right yeah my you know compounds against uh you know the the rifles they had yeah (laughs) yeah it might have been a different story (laughs) oh yeah for sure so have have you shot any recurves or longbows i never have nope i've never <clears throat> I've never, I've never done it. Something I've always wanted to do, but it, it's kind of intimidating to me because it's like, all right, what pin do I look through? There ain't no pins. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, have- there's a couple different methods for shooting at recurves. Uh, now, the way I do it, I look at my target. I don't look at the bow. I don't look at the, the arrow. I don't look at none of that. And I just draw back, and then you know you practice enough, and then you get you know where you know where to to go with it. Right. And there's some that use the tip of the arrow, um, you know, use that as a reference, you know, for that. Um, and there's something else that I, I've heard about and I've kind of explained a little bit, but string walking, where depending oh. on where where you're at, you're going to move your hand down on the string. And, okay. and, and, and that's going to change the way it, it shoots. And um, I, I, I just do instinctively i just look at the, where i want it to go and focus on that the target and just shoot <laughs> yeah i had one of my friends he's a big recurve guy and he lives in louisiana and i had he had he had asked me about you know have you ever shot a recurve i said no man i'm like how do you even know where to aim or and he the way he described it to me made a lot of sense he said when you throw a baseball you're not ranging how far the guy is or it's just it's just the feel of it, you know, how much to put into it. And, you know, so, so to that, when I heard him say that, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, once you, you know, you're not out there ranging, you know, second base to see how much heat you need to put on it. You just, it's just a natural feel for how, how much you got to, how much arm strength you got to put in. He's like, it's the same thing with recurve. You just, over the years, you just know where to, where to aim. And so, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool to, to one day kill a coos deer with a recurve um <laughs> so i mean maybe that's something that i gotta you know practice and and try to accomplish <laughs> yeah you're gonna have lots of hours practicing and yeah I, when you man. do don't don't go with a big heavy one go with a lighter one to start with okay as you draw back your compound you get back oh halfway or so and it starts letting off right not with a recurve or a longbow the further you pull it back, the harder it gets. Got you. So you're holding the full weight. You know, so if what? you're shooting a 40-pound bow, which is normally rated at 28 inches, 
Um, I don't know what your draw length is, but it's about three pounds per inch past that. So me, I'm drawing mag back to 29. So if I have a 40 pound bow, I'm actually shooting 43 and I have to hold that 43 pounds. Right. You know, so it's a little bit different. It takes a little bit different muscles. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you use a release or a handheld release. Is this wrist strap one or? Yeah, I use the one that's on the wrist. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, your hand is more in, you know, kind of a, a horizontal position. Right. And, you know, with the handheld ones, it's more in a vertical with your thumb down. Well, on a recurve, it's in a, a vertical position, but your thumb is up because you got it on the string. And you'll see a lot of people start, you'll see a little twist in that string. Well, you don't really want that twist in the string. Right. So it's a different, a little bit different position. And, yeah. and it's just... Uh, uh, one of those that you just got to practice and you, you know, I don't know about down there, but out here in Nebraska, I think it's 40 pounds out of 428 inches of drawling, you know, is what okay. the bow's got to be rated at. So if you're shooting a 27 inch drawling, you're actually shooting like 37 pounds on a 40 pound bow. Yeah. So it all, all just kind of depends. And when you get the compounds, you, you that all just come out of the, out of the yeah. park. <laughs> So yeah, that that would be a lot of fun to, uh, um, you know, take take one with a, a more primitive right. type of weapon, and you know, hey, it's archery. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I said on a lot of a lot of my podcasts, and I actually had a post one time. Uh, archery is a stick with a string playing another stick, and I'm supposed <laughs> to prove me wrong. <laughs> That's archery. You know, archery. whether it's longbow, recurve, compound, crossbow. Yep. Yep. And then they have, you know, crossbows that just have uh, it's just recurve limbs. And they have the the new crossbows are just so narrow. They're not very wide at all. Yeah. yeah. They're just just almost weird looking. Yeah. Yeah. They're super small. Yeah. Which is nice. You get like the Excalibur, which has recurve limbs on it. It's just so wide. Right. You know, it, it, there's just so much to get in the way. Or that one sits more like a, you know, the white, not much wider than a, a you know, regular rifle. Right. A little more dangerous if you don't know where to put your fingers, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's what when I was worked at the, the archery store and and you know, when I had my store, I didn't really sell any crossbows, you know, because it wasn't very popular then. You know, but when I worked at Bass Pro and Cabela's, they had crossbows and I always made sure I told everybody anything you put above the rail will get removed. Yep. Put your finger up there, it's gonna take it off. Yep. You know, and a lot of the new crossbows now, where you grip it, it's so far down, you can't even force a finger up there. It's just, you know, kind of help on that. But some of the older ones, you know, you can go up there and put that hand up there if you wanted, but you're not going to yeah. like the results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just all safety things, you know. Yeah, for sure. You just gotta, just gotta, you know, be a little bit careful with what you're doing and realize that. You know, you stored a lot of energy in there and it's, it's going to go somewhere. Right. You know, that's why dry fire in your bow is such normally a, it's a, a bad, bad, bad situation. You yeah. know, if you're lucky, it just kind of a stomach turning sound because you yeah. dry fire a compound. Yeah. It's like you know, something kind of knots up when you hear that sound is like, uh. yeah. <laughs> but when I had my story, I had people come in and, 
and you know the the bow is is the strings off of it and uh you know sometimes uh you know like the axles you're doing it and pull the axle out and it's bent and it's like did you dry fire it no i didn't dry fire okay if you didn't dry fire it, i'm not going to check problems it could be if you dry fired it and i don't check it to make sure that there's not something wrong with the limbs you draw back those limbs could split on you when you're full draw oh yeah i dry fired it okay i knew you did i just want you to admit it <laughs> you know because there's things you could do to check you know the, the alcohol and cotton balls if the, you know, if the cotton will catch on the limbs you know there's probably a little split in there and you know if there's pieces missing out of it you know uh, but yeah, yeah when you think about it, how are you going to be in a hardened steel axle all you can do is dry fire it right So yeah, that's just things you learn being being a bow tech. And like I said, it was in 2001, I spent a week down in Tucson learning how to tear apart their bows and put them back together and how to make the steel cables, like on the old Nova bows, you know, there were steel yep. cables. And and now if you have a steel cable bow and a cable breaks, forget it. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> looking at more to fix it than what it would be to buy a new bow. Right. Um, you know. Yep. You know, a few years ago, well, when I was doing it, I could get a set of cables for 20 bucks. That's a pair of cables. And then, oh, probably oh, maybe 10 years ago, I heard it was $100 a piece for the cables if you could find them. Wow. And you can't make one. You have to make them in pairs. For one, if one broke down, it's probably not too far behind. Yeah. And they have to be the exact same length. And you can't really determine what it is without taking the one off. So you basically cut the one, get the right size, and make two of them. And you know, like now on your bows now, if your cable is a little bit short or a little bit long, you put twist in or take twist out. Can't do that with steel cable. Its length is its length. So if right. you're not dead on, you get you can't you can't really fix it. You <laughs> know, and that's why you know you normally charge quite a bit for doing the work because you you know when when you're only spending twenty bucks for cables. You can afford to have a second set if you mess one up just make a new one. Oh yeah. You know, when you're spending two hundred dollars for cables, you're gonna get someone that knows how to do it. If you find somebody that's been doing it like me, it's gonna be, you know, two hundred dollars for cables. I'm gonna charge you probably three hundred dollars for labor to make them. Because if I mess up a cable, I gotta buy another one for hundred bucks. Yeah. And you know, it's just not worth it. You could buy low end bow for right about that same price and whole kit with the, the bow, the sight, the rest, sometimes clever. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a completely different world, and it's nice coming up in that world, but uh, uh, things changing so much. I can't keep up with the new stuff yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay. No there, yeah. There's so many new bows out, and, um, you know, I, I've had people say, well, I'm going to get the best. Yeah, I want a Matthews. Uh, marketing tells you they're the best. Are they the best? No, maybe. Yes, <laughs> they're good bows. I had a Matthews uh, Q2 for a while. Yeah, good shooting bow. Um, I don't before I become a dealer, and then I when I become a dealer, I I when I was down there, it's like part of going to the dealer school. The cost of that, you got a bow, and I said, well, I shoot a Matthews Q2. Which one of these should I be shooting? And that's when I got the uh, 2001 Carrera. 
and it was rated right at 320 feet per second. Wow. That was a 2001 bow. <laughs> it, it was not, you're not going to get that. You know, mm-hmm. I had a whole podcast talk about why you don't get it, but you're not, you're never going to get what's rated because you're never going right. to shoot it just like they, they call it out. Right. But, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, your arrow weights, your peeps, your draw length, the, everything is going to affect that, that like, change. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, any uh, parting thoughts before we head out? Um, No, I, I do appreciate it, though. I appreciate, uh, like I said, you extending the invitation to get on and, and talk archery and hunting. And yeah, I can sit here all night and talk hunting and <laughs> archery. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's awesome to 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 talk to you and and uh, be a part of it. And, you know, I just for any new archer that would listen in, you know, going with an open mind and and take all the knowledge in you can. And always remember that there's not a limit to your learning. You know, there's not a, a cap where you reach it and you know everything. Just just always have open ears when you're talking to somebody that's done it for a while and and take all the the little nuggets you can and and you'll you'll grow up to be be successful in the archery world and you'll be one of those guys that people will be asking you questions about and and uh, I just think it's it's a it's a fun sport and you won't regret getting into it so um, that's about all I have to say about about that but like I said I appreciate the invitation and and it's been fun. Yeah, it's a sport. You don't have to be the traditional athlete uh, to do. You can be any age, any size, you know, right. any any condition, you know, right. what, whether you have a physical handicap or not, um, or yep. or you're in good shape. And, and it's just all of learning and, and technique. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the thing. And, you know, until you can stick arrows inside of arrows at any range, any distance, you still have place to go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know of anybody that can put arrows in back of arrows every shot at Me any neither. range. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I've done it a few times, but not, sometimes it's more of an accident. But you, right. I am, yeah. you know, I am yeah. ra- aiming right at the back of the arrow, the arrow. And yeah. there are times when it still goes in. And, you know, it's it's one of those trophies you don't want to get too often. And that's why I shoot single spots most of the time now. Right. I, don't want to, I don't want to be wrecking arrows. They're expensive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed talking with you. And and I know our listeners, you know, they'll they'll enjoy it as well because always good conversation. So Absolutely. yeah. My name is Roy Canterbury, and I've been your host today with uh, Arch Talk 101 with our special guest, JJ Salaus. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.